It's goosebump time in Oxford, Mississippi. For the absence, uh, it's been a busy week for uh, for all of us uh, outside of the website and the podcast network here. But we are back in the second last studio. I'm your host Zach Barry. Joining me on the other side, Nicholas Carr and uh, Benjamin Woodhouse is probably going to join us at some point. And then, because as Nick so eloquently and so kindly pointed out earlier. Uh, we have football next week, so we are going to welcome in, hopefully, our uh, legal gambling counsel, Mr. Austin Gray, on the show as well. Uh, so, without further ado, Nicholas, welcome in on a, uh, a lovely Friday uh, Friday afternoon, I should say. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, I mentioned before we started that uh, the FCS has a game next Saturday, and how just not how foreign that sounded. Not because it's a bad idea. Football is never a bad idea. I'm really excited about it, but just so, you know, I'm it doesn't feel kind of like fall yet because football's not here yet. I mean, it's the last week of August or coming into the last week of August. And we should be talking about like, you know, what are we going to bring to the Grove on Saturday? Or, you know, is Baylor's quarterback playing with not, you know, a month away from everything. So it's weird. It is weird. And that's, that's a word that's been used a ton this summer. And, you know, it's it's something that we're just going to have to get over. I know a lot of people are upset about the decision to, uh, for now, I know that the ban on tailgating, I believe the order expires August 31st. But I wouldn't look at that as like, well, after that, it's, it's, it's free for all. No, like they're probably going to continue to not let people go sit in the Grove and, and hang out. But... Look, it, it's fine. Like, there's going to be college football. It's going to be okay. Like, it, let's all just enjoy this season for what it is, and then we'll get back to to normal in 2020. Yeah, I, I think too. I think a lot of people think of it as like uh, we could have football with no tailgating, or we could have football with tailgating, and that's not an option. Yeah, I mean, of course, I would rather have 65,000 fans and you know the Grove packed and stuff, but like those are not. That's not on the table, and so the the best option we've got right now is. I mean, a month ago, I didn't think we'd have any fans. But if you told me we have 25% fans with no tailgating, I mean, I'd happily take it because I think that that is, like I said, that's the best offer on the table. And, you know, you're not, it's the end of the night. You, you know, the offer's right. not getting any better here. So take that, you know, if we can't tailgate for it, it was, it would be weird at tailgates anyways. It's, I mean, you've been at different, I don't, I would say I've been to restaurants outside and stuff and there's, there's an odd feel to it. And so it's not like a tailgate would be fun anyways. And, you know, what are you going to put on the TV, the, uh, the FCS game down the road? So it, everything's going to be different. So just accept it and enjoy it and take your for what it is. Yeah, you're right. Everybody just needs to relax and just enjoy the season for what it is. Next week, the uh, game the game that we're alluding to is Austin P versus Central Arkansas. It is going to be at the lovely Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, 7 p.m. on ESPN. 
it's going to be college football. I'm going to watch it. I know that you will be watching it. Uh, it it's something that we should all not take for granted anymore. I know I've heard a lot of people, Nick, say, uh, I'm never going to complain about there being you know 50 bowl games now because college football is college football. And for the longest time, everybody thought that we were not going to have college football, and that was going to be brutal. But it's here. Uh, knock on wood, it's it's here. Uh, so it's back next week. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll be able to 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 pick some games and to look at lines and over unders and potential parlays and all of that good stuff. So it's going to be nice to finally be able to sit down on a couch, sit down in your chair, and uh, unwind with some athletic competition on a uh, on a football field. So. Uh, like I said, next Saturday, 7 p.m., Austin P. Central Arkansas. Then the next Thursday, you've got Jacksonville State, Florida International, and Central Arkansas UAB. And then Saturday, September 5th, uh, we've got a whole slate of FCS games here. Texas Southern, Prairie View, Houston Baptist, North Texas, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Troy, Stephen F. Austin, Alabama A&M, Wagner, Central Connecticut, Eastern Kentucky, Marshall. Like, this is just uh, going to be – I'm just curious just, just so to see, fun. like, how desperate networks get until the SEC and stuff comes back. So, like, next Saturday is is, is Preview A&M going to be on CBS? Like, how – or two Saturdays from now? How serious are these networks going to be? Like, we and we've got to have something on TV. Let's go out and grab – I said preview. I think the swag's putting it off. Let's go out and grab Jacksonville State versus Southeastern Missouri, and we're going to put this at prime time, six o'clock ESPN, because that's all you can do. I mean, you don't have any other things to show on TV, and so I'm curious to see. You know, or like Florida International, are they going to be like you know kind of treated as like Clemson playing there on Thursday night? It feels like they might be. I mean. I don't think that'd be too crazy for somebody like CBS or or Fox or FS1 to go grab that kind of game. I, I legitimately think it would be fine. I think it would be Maction type ratings, if not better. Yeah, I, know. I, mean, I think it'd be awesome. And I mean, like I said, it, it, what, you know, compared to what they've got on television, it's it's not like it could draw worse. I don't feel like I don't know what CBS shows at two thirty on a Saturday bull riding. I, I mean, I, and I'm serious. That's they don't. They don't have anything, so you know, go get the game. If 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 Florida International, I, mean, I don't understand why Florida International and FAU just don't play each other this time. It's that coveted, it's yeah, that coveted I, that's they, I, But go get FAU and FIU play play each other six times. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, just do. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of people have mentioned that. You know, just do some home. And- well, I saw where Missouri State's put out their schedule. They've got a home and home with Central Arkansas, and then Western. I believe it was Western Kentucky announced a home and home with Missouri State this year. So as of now, Missouri State has five games on the schedule, three opponents. So I mean, and one of them is Oklahoma. So and and who knows, you know, what other home and homes they might have. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, football is football. At this point, I think people are going to watch it no matter what it is. I mean, you've got Idaho State, New Mexico game that has been canceled. I would watch that in a heartbeat right yeah, now. Absolutely. And like I said, I mean, we're just getting ready for the SEC, man. If if these first few games can go off, it, it kind of looks to me like the schools might be 
inadvertently creating bubbles for themselves already and they might accidentally back into having bubbles and being able to play the whole year. I mean, that's what they're doing. North Carolina, North Carolina State, Notre Dame have all gone online, Michigan State. And it feels like we might like screw up and have a season. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely have all – I know that you were vehemently against it and – not and look at the time it wasn't like you were crazy. I, I was starting to get towards your side of of a uh, of thinking, you know, back in early July where I was like, "There's no way we're playing football. It's just not going to happen." But I always, in the back of my mind, thought the SEC is probably going to find a way to do it. It may not be a 12 game season. It may not be you know a regular setup, but they were going to find a way whether out. That was six games, eight games, ten games. Now we are seeing a ten-game conference-only schedule. Um, but it, look, the, the, there's no time for for I told you so's or pounding of the chest of look at me. I said the SEC would play. I'm not going to do that to you, Nick, because I'm just happy that there's going to be college football. Um, so without further ado, let's just go ahead and, and take a look at these schedules. And um, I, I want to get your thoughts on what you think. And, and we'll obviously start out with Ole Miss first. I know that you were uh, busy in the uh, in the Excel lab making a uh, spreadsheet. I, I do want to ask you what your thoughts are on um, the 2020 Ole Miss schedule and, and how you see things shaking out. Uh, for the yeah, I, and, I, I you know, mean, quote, you've unquote, seen it. I, one I, of Lane Kiffin. I sent a, uh, a spreadsheet yesterday of, of what, you know, kind of colored red, green, and yellow of who I thought would wins, losses, and, and, and draws, basically. Uh, and and I, 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 I had a lot of red on Ole Miss's schedule. I mean, looking through the schedule and I'm pulling it up here, I mean, obviously it starts off tough, but you've got a lot of games that, that Ole Miss <laughs> – that you got a lot of games that Where's my granola bar? Excuse me, you got a lot of games that uh that, that are that are tough and at the SEC West you're gonna have obviously LSU, you're gonna have obviously Alabama, Auburn, Florida. And there's a lot of losses on there. I think before you even you even start things, I got Texas A&M as a loss. Uh, I've got Ole Miss beaten, obviously uh, Vanderbilt and, and, and Arkansas are bad teams. And, I, and and then after that, there's just there's some toss ups to me uh, between let's see, Kentucky is a toss up. I've got uh, both. Uh, South Carolina and MSU as toss ups, and at that point, I, I mean, hey, you, you could you could back into a five and five season, but I kind of think that that's more of a, a best case scenario. I'm looking at probably like four wins. I think five is more likely than three, but I, I mean, four to me seems like a pretty safe number. I'm probably right there with you. I think five and five would be a a really really good season in terms of staying staying healthy. The offense and defense both were clicking with the new coordinators, and um, Ole Miss was able to. Uh, I would say they're able to 
really capitalize on the talent that they have offensively because they had a lot of talent on that offense last year and sputtered a lot in the red zone, sputtered a lot in big games. I think that the experience on this coaching staff is really going to help them in this weird season um, where obviously it's it's not a normal setup. You didn't have a regular spring practice. You didn't have a regular fall camp. You've got all these COVID-19 protocols. It's just made everything just bizarre and strange, and it's not normal. Um but I do think that there are wins on this schedule, and I do think that there are some some opportunities to really go out and, and bite someone. I I, th- I don't think I'm crazy to say that Vanderbilt and Arkansas are W's. I, I don't see any way that this team, uh, after the way that they beat them last season with a far far inferior uh, coaching staff and philosophy. Uh, were able to manhandle both of those teams a year ago. I think that those are wins on the schedule. I, uh, I, I definitely think that Mississippi State is a beatable opponent. Um, there's no telling. They've got a brand-new staff as well, so there's no telling what they're going to look like. They're, they're installing a brand-new offense. Um, the air raid is not something that can be installed super fast. Um, they have a transfer quarterback that's going to be um, coming off an injury who is still – not great when he was at Stanford. There's a lot to like there with KJ Costello, but there's no guarantees. And then on defense, they're running the three three five now, and they're replacing a lot of playmakers on that side of the football as well. So a lot of question marks in Starkville. And then, look, I, I honestly think Kentucky replacing Lynn Bowden, that's going to be a problem. Um, Terry Wilson is back, but he's also coming off an injury. Mark Stoops has done a really good job there, but I, I do think that um, – that's a gettable a gettable game. Same with South Carolina. Like Will Muschamp's done a nice job there. That they, they haven't been incredibly good. They upset Georgia last season, but you've got a guy like Brian Holinsky who was up and down last year, and then they're replacing a ton on defense. So that's that's. Uh, I just gave you three more potential wins, and then we won't get into it yet. We'll wait for the other side. But I mean. Some of the heavy hitters in the West, uh, yeah, so are, are not exactly. Lynn um, Bowden's the definite loss. Wide receiver right. turned quarterback. That's going to be a wide out in the NFL, correct? And and Terry Wilson is the actual quarterback, right? Okay, they they got injured. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so. Yeah. So yeah, Bowden, Bowden, however you say. It. Yeah, he was he was essentially Kentucky's John Rice Pumley. And this is where they just put an athlete at quarterback, figured it out, and he was just electric. And then Terry Wilson. That's right. And this is not a knock on JRP. I mean, he was the not transfer a knock on Oregon at all. To ACL. say that, that, that Bowden Bowden was is, I mean, Plumlee's a poor man's Bowden. He was. I think it's Bowden. He was really, really good in Kentucky. I mean, really good for a guy. I mean, I, I think it was was against Louisville. They just they rushed for like 500 yards, and I mean, they didn't throw the ball at all, pretty much, and just beat the, beat the crap out of them. Uh, which, which, yeah, I was going to say, which is which is nuts because that Louisville defense was – Yeah, no, that was – and that was one of the surprising Brown games of the year last pretty, year, I remember. Pretty salty. Now, I might have actually picked Louisville to cover, and they got just throttled. And that, that yeah, and then that was just because 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 Bowden's so good. I mean, he is he was exceptional. So, oh, I did too. 
Okay. So, yeah, so he, he, he ran, ran for, for he ran for two eighty four and I mean, four touchdowns. Against a power five opponent in a rivalry game too. I think that that's that's the key is that yeah. you know Louisville came in hyped up and then he got late. So yeah. So here's how he finished the season. So obviously he didn't start playing quarterback full time, I believe, until the Arkansas game. So after the South Carolina loss. Arkansas game, he ran the ball 24 times for 196 and two touchdowns. Against Georgia in a loss, he ran 17 times for 99 yards. Against Missouri for a win, 21 times, 204 yards. Tennessee, they lost, but 26 times, 114 yards. Vandy, win 17 times, 110 yards. UT Martin, 11 times, 129 yards. Okay. Louisville, 22, 284. Virginia Tech, 34, 230. So my guy was they, they might have ran him ragged and said, rock. hey, you know, you're, you're done here in Lexington. Let's get all we can out of those those legs. But, yes, I mean, he was really good. So, so the, the Kentucky is going to be – I think that's and, – and this is not a knock on, on Stoops. <laughs> At times I wonder if, if they're a little overrated in terms of how much – hype they get because they're Kentucky if that makes sense and that's not that's not to say that Kentucky's like actually really good or something in, in terms of mm. I think that sometimes people see them they should be three and nine they go six and six and then they get treated like they're nine and three type uh, but because of where they're at and that's not again to knock stoop so much as I'm not so sure they're, they're a great team uh, and, or a great program, I guess. You know, they're kind of a six and six, seven and five team. And I mean, I think that that's what Ole Miss um, is kind of one step away from being. So I think that it's it's extremely possible. Uh, Ole Miss wins. I mean, you don't have to worry wherever you go. You don't have to worry about a crowd. I, you know, twenty five percent. I don't care. It, it, you're not going to be able to hear the fans. Barely be able to hear the fans on television. You know, even with the mics sitting right there. So it, that's not a concern. I don't think that anyone will be intimidated. I know uh, Bill Connolly. Uh, with ESPN, you know, is is taking his home field advantage down from, I believe it was three and a half, and it might have been two and a half. But he's, he's knocked it down to one point. So, so unless you think that that game's decided by one point, same with the South Carolina game, unless you think that game's mm-hmm. decided by one point, and then they might be, then home field doesn't matter there. And so I don't, I don't think that's something you can put in. I just. I don't think Ole Miss goes three and zero in those three toss-up games. I guess is my reasoning for why I don't think we get five and zero. And because I mean, it, it, this is a weird year. But okay, my question, my follow-up for you is: is that if Ole Miss is going to win a game outside of those those five, uh, who who is it most likely? Is it Auburn? So, I think that that is one that is possible. Um, now, the one thing that gives me pause there that has me leaning a little more towards probably not um, is the defense. Uh, Auburn brings back a ton on defense. Owen Popo, KJ Britt, two linebackers that have a chance to be all SEC. Um, they're always good up front. Their front seven is always good. And that gives me a little pause. My pick for the one that is going to be an absolute, I would I would go as far to say a toss-up, is Texas A&M. It's late in the year. 
A&M is, is probably most likely going to be um, basically on their way to just mailing it in. I think that uh, Jimbo's teams typically fade down the stretch, and they've underwhelmed since he's been in College Station. And I, I don't just – I don't get this – Kellen Mond's just going to all of a sudden just figure things out. I, I don't see why people understand that or, or why people think that. He was okay a year ago. He wasn't anything great. Um, but he's just never wowed me as a quarterback. And, look, Ole Miss should have won that game last year and fumbled it away. I, I think that that's absolutely a gettable game for Ole Miss. I think that's a trap game for the Aggies. And uh, I, I don't think I haven't that's loved anything I've seen Mond. I do have say out loud on a, podcast. a question as it relates to Kellen Mond, and and this is not praise for Kellen Mond so much as it is a knock on kind of the SEC. What what quarterbacks could you are you definitive that are better than Mond in the SEC? Again, not a not a positive for Mond. It's a knock on the the whole state of, of quarterback play in the conference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Mac Jones at Alabama is definitely better. I think Trask is. Uh, I would say, I'd say and, Kyle and Trask at Florida is better. Um, I don't think that that's too crazy to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um, you know, I, I, I think KJ Costello that's, could definitely be better than mine. I. I don't really know how he's going to work in the air raid because he's coming from such a West Coast pro style at Stanford. Um, but I, I do love his skill set and, and what he brings to the table. So, yeah, I mean, that's Mond, I guess, a little more mobile, especially a little more mobile than Costello because he's coming off that ACL. Um but yeah, I mean, there like Ryan Helinski showed glimpses a year ago, but he's still kind of a question mark, and he's young. Um, I don't know who Vandy's quarterback is; doesn't matter. We're not going him. Bo Nix again, like Helinski, showed flashes last year, but also was a true freshman. So um, yeah, that's kind of where you are. And then you've got Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley thrown in there as well, where showed flashes, kind of raw. Either either they're young or just don't have enough reps, like Corral. Um, now Plumlee gives you another dimension with the legs. Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. I mean, but again, that, that's kind of uh, where I'm at with the SEC. He's not great. He's not bad. He's just. I just don't average. see. You mentioned Costello. Yeah, he could be good. KJ Costello in 2018 was pretty good, but I, I don't. You know what did we have from him last year? I, I'm just not so sure that we can. That we know much to think that you know I, MSU has had transfer quarterbacks before that came in and didn't even hardly play. Um. You know, but most recent, uh, I mean, very recently. So I think it's a crapshoot. I just look around the whole conference. You know, I mean, I've seen lists of, of best quarterback in the SEC with Plumlee in the top five. And I don't think 50% of all Miss fans think that Plumlee is going to start the first game. So I think that that's uh, an indictment on where the conference is at quarterback play. It, it's, as, it's as bad as it probably has been, or maybe not necessarily as bad, but it's as up in the air in terms of there's not. Uh, there's not really like a top two or top three level. There's just a whole lot of fourth and fifth best QBs in the league, I feel like. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm with you there. That's fair. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break here from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about the Ole Miss schedule, and uh, we'll uh, maybe look ahead to some FCS games next week, uh, and then we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll just kind of see where we go from there. So hang tight. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out their rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you 
to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we're back here in the Second Line studio with uh, Nicholas Carr. All right. So I say A&M. Are you saying Auburn is the gettable game for us? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I just don't – I mean, yeah, their defense is good. Um, and it doesn't matter. I literally just harped on that for like four minutes about how home field advantage doesn't matter. But one of those games is in Oxford and one of those games is on the road. Um, and I don't know that I, I just, I don't know that I love anything about Auburn, uh, anything that they do. Of course, I guess the same could be said for Texas A&M. Um, I, I honestly, I think those teams are a lot alike to me and I'm just going to go with, with Auburn because they're in Oxford and because I really don't think, I mean, if you look around at the, the Ole Miss home slate, you know, listen to me if it, it's okay. The Ole Miss home slate, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, and MSU. I just don't think that we wait until, let's see, we would play South Carolina November 14th. I don't think that the, our first home win is November 14th. I think that we play, um, uh, you know, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, and I think that we get that that first home win October 24. I just – that would be a long time without winning a game at home, and I get the schedule's really tough, but I just we're – gonna, we're going to have just beaten up on Arkansas – I think that there might be some momentum from that. And I think the team will probably understand that they can go all out because they've got Vanderbilt the next week. And so I think that that's a, especially if you, if you look at the schedule and say that, you know, you started, let's just say one and two and you, you know, you beat Arkansas, you're two and two. And now, well, if we go beat Auburn, we're three and two and, and we really got something going knowing that you've got Vanderbilt the next week. I, I think that they could kind of smell blood in the water from a, well, whatever this means this year, but from a getting full eligible perspective, uh, if you're one and two, you've beaten Kentucky and, and, and then you beat Arkansas, I think you'll understand that, that you know, this could be kind of – this could be something if we could beat Auburn, and I think that's why. Uh, later in the year, that's just in a tough slate of games, that Texas A&M game. It falls in between uh, a South Carolina game at home and an MSU game at home. So that's – I mean, you talk about winning toss-up games – to, to get to five wins, you don't, you'd have to win all three of those in your scenario. And, or I guess to get to six, you'd have to beat South Carolina, win at Texas A&M and beat MSU three weeks in a row. And I think that, I think that the Auburn game is just kind of sandwiched in between nicely in between two crappy teams. And I think that's going to help us. I do think the schedule is fine. I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's easy. And I think that, it lends to, yeah, it, there might be a bit of a rocky start, but I do think that there are wins. And look, it's this is a weird season where going going four and six would not be the worst thing. 
I mean, that's not even not even a crazy thing to say. I mean, people might think that that's crazy. Four and six to to think that that's acceptable sounds odd, but that's just kind of where you are. That's the it's just the reality of 2020 and the reality of uh, what would you say four and six is the equivalent of six and six? Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt to me. I mean, because I I guess you could say you take one off of either side and you go three and five in a regular season. And then you, you, you win three of your four non-conference games at six and six. It's, it's a, a soft six and six or a seven and five. If you didn't, really have a tough non-conference slate. I mean, I think that I, – I guess there's a big discrepancy for me because I think a four and six season I would be okay with, whereas a three and seven season I'd be a little disappointed with. Uh, I mean, in so much as we played, I wouldn't be disappointed that we played at all. But I would look back on a three and seven season and think it was kind of a rocky start, uh, whereas a four and six season seems just like a huge difference. It's almost like three and seven is the equivalent to four and eight. And four and six is the equivalent to six and six, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think that um, – and, and I think, too, you know, four and six, you can only really – we only need one blowout. If we if we lose bad to Alabama, sure. But we need to play LSU close. Uh, you know, we, we need to – we definitely need to play MSU close again. We'll, you know, if we, we need to play Auburn close. We need to play Texas A&M close. So – yeah, four and six, I think, would be a good season. I really do. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, I'm looking through here. I I did win losses, and I've got a lot of teams losing um, – or, excuse me, winning less than four games in the SEC. I've, or I've got them at three and a half. So, I've got a lot of teams not not being five and five. So, I don't think that that would be, uh, you know, too, too bad of an outlook to say that four and six is, is not a bad year. No, not at all. I Yeah, the – We'll talk more about this next week. Um, but yeah, I think four and six is easily attainable. I don't think that that's crazy. And with the early over under numbers being at three and a half, I think that uh, that's something that Ole Miss could easily do. Yeah. And this is just, go ahead. I was going to say there's, there's plenty of talent on both sides. And then, like I mentioned earlier on the, on the other side, of the show that the the upgrade at coordinator the upgrade on the staff the upgrade and just literally everything is going to make this year a lot more fun yeah there, there's no doubt uh I, I think that that adding that the ninth and tenth game to kind of <clears throat> it sort of stratifies the the standings a little bit and, and that i mean if you look at a typical eight game slate there's a lot of teams at five and three at four and four and at three and five that are all kind of meh. I mean, they're all just sort of the same version of the of, of the same team, depending on who they played. Whether whether it was Kentucky getting to play Vanderbilt and Tennessee, you know, in Missouri, or if it was uh, you know team in the in the West, you know, Ole Miss having to play Auburn and Alabama. So it, they're all kind of the same team there. And I think that having these two extra games is going to kind of pull the teams apart there in the middle. Yeah, I think you're going to have Bama probably at ten wins. And then I think you're going to have Arkansas and Vandy down at the bottom. And I I really think that you're going to kind of be able to see the difference between the team that goes two and eight and the team that goes eight and two in in a normal year, those same teams might be, you know, five and three and two and six or, or, 
yeah, it just those extra couple of games I really think are going to help pull things apart. And you're going to, and there's more cross pollination. You're going to be able to see teams that have played other, like us in Tennessee, for example, will have three common opponents this year, or excuse me, four common opponents this year. No, even more than that, Alabama. So my point is, is that you're going to be able to see, okay, Ole Miss didn't play Tennessee, but here are the six games that they played against the same team. We can kind of compare them a little bit better. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. So, like I said, we'll uh, we'll talk more about this next week. We are going to have some more episodes as the season is getting closer and closer. Uh, we will be back to our regular schedule during the uh, the ten game conference only SEC schedule. We'll have our uh, our preview episodes. We'll we'll do picks. Um, we'll give you locks. We'll do all that stuff. So we're going to get back to normal here shortly. So I know everyone is is anxiously awaiting kickoff of the 2020 season but hang tight we'll uh we'll be back to normal uh soon enough so uh austin and ben were unable to join us but nick was here and we we talked a lot of football so hope that everyone is out there um staying safe and is uh just just hang on we got uh got another another month and then uh we'll have uh we'll have we'll have an escape on saturday so for nick i'm zach this has been podcast rebellion thank you all for listening